0: Welcome to the Up Level Dairy Podcast. This is the podcast for dairy owners, managers, and their trusted advisors who are looking to take themselves and their businesses to their next level of performance, resilience, and success in the dairy farming business. I'm your host, Peggy Coffin, and it's my mission to bring you the stories and thought leaders to help take you to your next up level. Our guest today is Brett Barless. He's been a dairy manager for 15 years at Yosemite Jerseys in Hillmar, California, one of the most challenging labor markets in the entire country. But Brett found ways to engage and motivate a team of employees to want to show up to work. In fact, he went nine years without a no-call, no-show employee. His team grew up to 26 people as they maintained excellent milk quality, ranking among the top 10 for milk quality for Hillmar company for many years and enjoying quite a few victories in the Jersey genetics and genomics realm as well. And since the acquisition of Yosemite jerseys by California Dairy Farms, owned by Larry and Jennifer Matos and John Mello in January of 2022, Brett has been charged with a new task, replicating that same culture and results from Yosemite across six dairy sites with 19,000 cows and 200 employees. So we are going to find out how he's doing it today. And you're going to walk away with nine things that Brett says employees want from their managers. This episode is sponsored by Uplevel Dairy Podcast founding partner Adaseo, a global leader in nutritional solutions and premier provider of rumen protected methionine for dairy producers who want to optimize milk production, capture more value from components and maintain the health of their high performing herds. Welcome Brett.
1: Hi, good morning. Peggy, you already I have nothing left to brag about anymore. You took all my accolades away in the introduction. <laughs>
0: That's good. That's good. I wanted to brag you up right away because we're going to dig deep into the meat, Brett, of why you are joining us on the Uplevel Dairy Podcast today. And that is because uh, last month, a couple months ago, Brett, you and I were both at the Young Dairy Leaders Institute program, and I got to hear you share an amazing Presentation with that group of young dairy leaders about your experience as a dairy manager and the successes that you had, and some of the factors that you can look back on and reflect that really helped you to build a team that worked really well together, achieved great results, and did all this in one of the, like I said, one of the toughest labor markets in the country. And so, Brett, there's a few things that I jotted down when I listened to you um, that day that I want to just revisit with you in this conversation because I think it's going to be a very powerful one for the other other people out there that are managing dairies all over the country. So Brett, just revisit with us for a little bit. Tell us about your story and uh, how you ended up at Yosemite Jersey's 15 years ago and what's, what's gotten you from there to where you are today.
1: Sure. So just my background, uh, I grew up in Wisconsin and I went to school in New York uh, for college. And when I was still in school, I applied for a job as a manager at a heifer ranch in Texas. And the gentleman who I interviewed with was president of the board. There's like five families who own this heifer ranch. And, you know, I called when I was still in school and he said, hey, thanks, but I've already got a manager. Good luck in your search. And so for me, it was, I, you know, I wasn't that concerned because I was still in school at that point in time. And in addition to that, my family has a dairy in Wisconsin. They still have a dairy in Wisconsin. So I knew, you know, I had a safety net there, and I still had a bunch of time left in school, so it wasn't that big of a deal. Well, at any rate, the gentleman, the guy's name's CA, and I think, you know, his name will probably come up more. CA called me back and said, Hey, I, I still don't have a job in Texas, but if you're interested, I'll fly you to California. Yeah. So, you know, as a college student, I thought, Oh, if you're gonna you're gonna pay for a free flight to California, yeah, I'll I'll take it. So and he flew out to California and I interviewed and I started, you know, in 2006. Okay. Yeah,
0: so that was at Yosemite Jersey's, right?
1: Yeah, so I was with Yosemite Jersey Dairies from 2006 to when the dairy sold. The dairy sold uh, Janu- or December 31st, 2021. So as of January 1st, 2022, I worked for a new family.
0: And I know one thing that you had talked about when we were at the YDLI conference as well was um, that, you know, when you looked at your dairy compared to the other ones that were in the family of dairies at that time, that you were able to have one of the highest retention rates of employees.
1: Yeah, we when we got picked up in in 2022, we had. Well, for example, I, I don't know what the statistics were in 2022, because the dynamics had changed. We had brought calves on. We had um, offloaded calves you know, over these 15 years. But at one point in time, before we brought our calves on in 2011, on my uh, on eight milkers, my average melker had been there 11 and a half years. And my average outside guy had been there 10 and a half years. Think about that. 20, 20 some employees. You've got these guys, just long standing employees who have been there. Um, and then when we, you know, when we added calves at Uh, we had to add a whole new team of people. So that kind of drove down numbers and changed the dynamics of things. And the other thing is like, you had mentioned this in your opening remarks. And I, you know, this is, I guess I hadn't really thought about this up until Jody asked me to come speak at YDLI when she said, hey, Brett, come speak about your experience. And I'm thinking like, I have no business coming and speaking to people about leadership or whatnot. And maybe I still don't, but I can tell my own story and people can say, well, yeah, I already do that. Or like, oh, he has been successful. That's up to the, you know, the people who are out there. But uh, one thing, I guess, looking back on it that I'm super proud of is over nine years, I never had a guy, no call, no show. Never. I had guys who would show up to work. They may be scheduled to work at six. They'd show up at six and they'd say, Brett, I'm sick. I'll work as long as I need to, but get me home as quick as you can. And I also had guys that would text me, you know, two hours before their shift started, which They may or may not have been making an excuse for them not to come in, but at least they told me ahead of time. And and so it was just nice having, uh, you have guys that are team members, men or women that would, um, you know, show up to work. And I think we're more or less happy at work. And in terms of the performance and like salary packages of people, the, family that I work for now, they've grown really fast, really quick. And so, uh, you know, getting the right team of people because you've grown so fast, it's tough to fill all the right people in the right places so quick. They, we've got lots of people and we just m- maybe need to get people moved in the right seats, but there was, there's been a higher than we have higher turnover than what we want. And so it's been costing us to maintain improve. Uh, team members and so Yosemite when we brought Yosemite on board we had guys who um, weren't making the same as newer employees at their other dairies so it's like you have a dairy that's performing higher making higher milk better feed efficiency you know in most of the matrix and at the end of the day it's the set the hourly wage of the employees is less than that of the newer dairies that aren't making the same performance level. So we've rectified that, right? Because we want everyone to be on the same field, but uh, that was one thing we noticed right away.
0: Wow. So in what you just shared, Brett, here's what I'm pulling out of this is that with with your team at Yosemite, you were able to have these long tenured employees. You were able to keep people motivated and excited to milk cows for eight to 10 years, to be on your outside team for 10 to 11 years, you were able to have them respect you want to show up to the point, like you said, nine years without a true, no call, no show employee. And all of this while also just, you know, maintaining this attitude among your team that it wasn't all about the money. It was about the atmosphere the environment that they were able to show up to every day because of your leadership. So I'm going to, first of all, argue with you on the leadership thing because that Rhett, that is true leadership right there, and and you are just doing it because you're living it. Uh, but but when you look at you know those uh, those things we just laid out of the performance and the engagement and the longevity of your employee team, what do you think? What when you look back, what do you think it was that made that possible? What were the what were some of the things that you were doing? that made that reality at Yosemite jerseys?
1: I would say we, we do annual reviews for the team members. So, you know, they got feedback annually in terms of, Hey, these are things that I think you're doing good. These are things that we'd like to see improvement on. So we got that feedback and we got buy-in too. one of those were one of the questions I'd asked during the review is I asked it. I asked, like I tried to keep everything simple, but I asked, Good questions uh, that I hopefully got some feedback from, and one of them was was like, "Hey, if this was your dairy, what would be one thing that you would change on it?" Um, you know. So we got lots of feedback and and those types of questions. Another thing that I do that I mean selfishly, I feel like it helped me out more than it helped the team out. But we'd have monthly meetings, and we'd um, try to make the meetings informative and cover safety concerns and also have them be something that people look forward to to some level because we brought in good food whether we'd have tacos or uh, burritos or pizza and then uh, at the end of the meetings we'd have door prizes and not like not like five dollar gift cards like fifty dollar gift cards and jackets and sweatshirts and and whatnot you know so a bunch of the people would leave with things but they're going back to it. the important thing is that the meeting the meetings were you know informative for the team members and also like they felt like they had a, not felt they they had a part in the team meetings we talked about who's going on vacation what projects are going on at the dairy because you know some of these guys like a melker, for example they're never going to go spend time out in the feed area And if we're building a new feed area, like I as a manager think, well, hey, this feeder, this this melper doesn't need to know what's going on. I'm not going to tell them. But they want to know, it's in a place where they work. So they want to know what's going on just for their own purpose. So we'd always talk about, okay, what construction projects do we have going on? And then I'd go through each, I'd go through the melpers, uh, the feeders, repro calves, and just touch on some bullet points so everyone kind of knew what everyone else was doing. We'd always have a, We'd always have a safety topic during our meetings and I'd invite guys to come up and we'd do like these interactive safety trainings on how to, how to climb a ladder or how to wear uh, safety glasses, things like that. And then, like I said, at the end of the meeting, we do door prizes. And honestly, we'd probably give out like $300 worth of stuff at every meeting. So that was, that was to get their buy-in that way as well. Oh, at the end of every meeting, I'd go around. So we'd have the whole team there, or almost everyone. At the end of the meeting, I'd go around, I'd point to every single person, and I'd say, Hey, I want you to tell me one, uh, at least one safety concern. So, uh, you know, we always, always, always got their buy in there too. And most of the time, people didn't have any concerns, but it was something that was, I gave everyone the floor to say things.
0: Yeah. And so everyone, every employee was involved in a monthly
1: meeting at some level. Every employee was at every monthly meeting,
0: yeah, and so, as you said, you made these meetings fun, so you did the business, you talked safety, you hit the important topics, but you also brought in you know some food, some fun, and uh did did you do some icebreakers with this group too sometimes?
1: yeah, we did not um there were never. Well, when the meeting started, we would have, towards the end, what we started doing, because we were having meetings in the morning, and like, who wants to go to a meeting at 5 a.m. in the morning? So we'd have EDM music playing in the background of our shop to get people like jazzed up, and we do electric dance music, you know? Oh, at at
0: 5 a.m. Well,
1: guys are, so you got night shift guys coming off and day shift guys coming on, and there's already been guys who have been there for an hour, but it's like 5 a.m. in the morning, People aren't necessarily—they don't necessarily motivated to go there. But that was the best time to get our whole team there, and we didn't want to break up the meetings because now people can hear slightly different messages, and we wanted everyone to hear the same concerns. Because, like, I don't ever want people to think I'm sweeping things under the rug. I'm taking things head on. You tell me about a problem, we're gonna—we're gonna deal with it. So the best time towards the end was to have the meeting at 5 a.m. So we had the whole team there. But yes. The icebreakers. um, Every year, I'd I'd think of five new questions and I'd ask them like random ass questions. Okay, um, if you could live anywhere in the world besides right here, where would you live? If you could go back in time and meet someone from the past, if uh, you could be any if you could be any actor, who would it be and why? Just kind of fun questions like that. And so I, I for about the that was something I added in about five years before Yosemite uh, was sold. But I would ask those questions at the end of the meeting and then we'd pick one person out of a hat and they got to try and guess who it was. And if they guessed who it was, they got a hundred (laughs) bucks.
0: So you made meetings fun. You created an environment for people to uh, have some laughs, build some camaraderie, still take care of business. You know, that definitely had to be a key thing in being able to achieve what you were able to achieve as a manager in those 15 years. What else do you think made it possible for, you know, let's go back to, I think one of the things you can be most proud of, and that's a nine-year stretch without a no-call, no-show employee. I mean, that is what a lot of dairy managers would only dream of. What else do you think made that possible
1: terry bacon wrote this book and it was or and he did a survey of what people want and it was referring to the u.s labor market and they interviewed 500 random uh, u.s people and this guy had nine points and as i was like just reading through google reading through i stopped at this one and i was like every one of these nine points i was like oh yeah i try to do that i oh yeah that's that's me i do that and so I feel like just a lot of the things that he had pointed out there, like, you know, these aren't the nine points specific, but being real with people, having follow through. Um, do you want me to start, do you want me to talk about some of those?
0: Yeah. Why don't let's, let's hit up those nine. Do you have them handy?
1: Yeah, I do. I do. So the first one they had is honesty. And uh, for me, uh, you know, just be forward with people. And when you make mistakes, every single person's going to make mistakes. Apologize for them. It's, it's like now it's become an easy thing for me. I make mistakes all the time and I apologize for it. I don't, I'm not too proud to say that I don't make mistakes. And so for me, I I don't know. I feel like that has warranted um, some of some people's uh, respect, just, just in that alone. Number two is fairness. And, you know, everyone probably, has favorites to some level or not that's kind of just who we are is to pick favorite employees or pick favorite coworkers or whatnot but at the end of the day i was always fair to everyone with scheduling or job tasks salary whatever i it's i want to be fair to everyone number three was trust um and again if i said i was you know if i said i was going to do something i'm going to do it and i told my guys hey if if i tell you i'm going to do something or you tell me about something and I don't do it, please come back to me in a week and tell me about it again because it's not because I'm ignoring you. If I told them I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. Maybe I forgot about it, but please, please, please tell me about it again. Number four was respect, and I think that goes back. That ties into fairness, but um, like respect, respect your team members. Um, I see right now with some of the some of the supervisors that we have at the dairies right now I don't necessarily think we get that they get all the respect of their people that they're leading someone's telling you something even though you know you may not uh you may not agree with it I think at some level you have to you have to respect them and hear them out even though you may know that they're wrong or or whatever that was number four uh, number five is dependability. When you say you're going to do something, that goes with trust. When you say you're going to do something, do something. I have a, um, I had a cool picture of, I had sh- showed you guys of two guys in our break room and there's holding like $700 in cash. That's <laughs> dollar bill. And people are like, what's going on there? Well, we told employees at one point in time, if they brought someone that we hired for more than six months, we'd pay them $2,000. And that was like, the final of his $2,000 <laughs> Uh, Number eight or number six was collaboration. And so get get team members buy-ins all the time. Uh, every morning, like I said, I'd meet with all the guys and I'd ask them questions about things. When I did my employee reviews, I'd ask them what they would do to make things better. When I had my monthly meetings, I would ask, hey, what what are safety concerns for you? What are things that we need to improve? So. And for job for different positions, like I'm not the one out there milking cows. Yeah, I may think I know what's best, but I want to hear from the team that's milking cows before I make any changes, even though even though I may know 100 percent that we're going to go with my with what my ideas are or with what the vet's ideas are. I still want to bring those guys in and hear them um, just so that they have buy-in as well. Uh, Number seven is genuineness. And just be sincere. People can, I had a picture in my presentation. I, I had a picture of a cow taking a shit. And I said, hey, you guys know what, does anyone know what that is? They're like, yeah, it's bullshit. I was like, that's exactly right. Number eight, appreciation. appreciation. Uh, make sure to say please and thank you. I mean, that's just, that's good common sense. But uh, send, acknowledge people, yeah. Appreciation, I don't think, my next point is an acknowledgement, but appreciation and acknowledgement. And when people do things right, you need to highlight that more than when they do things wrong. I send, I send text all the time to all the team members, to everyone, even milkers. When I see milkers, like we have a uh, blue cream, like chap, like it's like chapstick for people. But if cows have teat, chap teats, they have blue, blue cream. And if I'm out walking cows and I see cows that have that blue cream on their, on their teats, I'll snap a picture and I'll send it to the whole milking team and I'll do like the praying hands and I'll specifically call out the person that was attaching machines that put that blue cream on, you know, so acknowledge people when they do good things, do it more than when you do it more than criticism. And number nine is responsiveness. When people say they want, um, when they want something or they want help with something, try to help them out and be quick about it too. So, you know, those are things that helped, me again, I'm not saying they help everyone out, I'm not even saying they're right. I just feel like they've helped me um, be successful in whatever you know su- success means to you or to anyone else. But I feel like the- those things have helped me out.
0: Yeah, thanks for sharing those, Brett. And, you know, when I listen to you talk about that, I can kind of put these into some categories, right? So when you talk about, you know, like the trust and the respect and the dependability and the responsiveness that all kind of comes together in, you know, in this way of, listening you know asking questions listening um getting that feedback but more importantly too following through on it so like you talked about you know if there is a request from an employee uh, for something making sure that you acknowledge that it was that it was heard. And if it wasn't followed up on letting them know, hey, like you can remind me. Do you have an example of maybe a time when an employee shared something with you um, that did bring about a change that you were able to implement and how that might have really just solidified um the relationship, you know, that that you had that led to success that showed them that trust, that respect, that dependability, that responsiveness. Uh is there anything you can think of? You know, maybe it's a little thing, maybe it's a big thing where, you know, there was just kind of that chain of reaction where, you know, you asked the question, they made the request, you heard them out, followed through, and it led to something that improved culture, performance, um, all of those things at the dairy.
1: I mean, honestly, honestly, I feel like every week there's, I, I ask, I'm not the person out there doing the job. I'm, I, a lot of the times I'm like the person in the ivory tower sitting behind the computer doing things. So when I get the opportunity, that's honestly, I enjoy walking outside and being with the team members as they're doing their jobs. Now, you know, my role has changed a little bit before I could be more hands-on out at the dairy. And now, just because there's so many different places, my roles have changed. But um, I mean, every single week, there's always things that employees are suggesting. Hey, can we do this? Can we do that? And like, there are no braiders. For example, during one of my uh, Melker reviews, one of the guys said, hey, the cows are slipping and falling when they step out of the flush lane into the sprinkler pad. Can we maybe put some rubber strips on that, on that like one foot ramp where they step up? So Absolutely, that was a great idea. I'm I'm mad that I didn't think about it sooner, but I'm so appreciative that he did. We did that. Another thing, uh, the calf team, the calf team said, "Hey, we want uh, when we're dropping bottles for calves, we want our trailer to have uh, a back, like a back section that we can step on, so we can walk around the back instead of having to walk around the front where it's a, where it's more dangerous." Absolutely, again, that's a no brainer. It improves safety. It was an easy fix. Whenever these guys make make suggestions I don't have any big really cool one that comes to mind right now but, but it's, uh...
0: it's the culmination though of all of these little things and you know Brad I, I step back and I think about one of the things that I often hear from other other dairy owners and managers is, you know, there's a frustration sometimes that they feel like employees don't care, that they don't, you know, care about their work, care about doing the extra little things. Uh, But, but let's just dissect what you just laid out here. You have employees that care about the cows, care about the safety of them, you know, of themselves, but care about the safety of their teammates. And you've created an environment where you're asking them regularly You know, you're provoking the thought um, of what can be done to be better, to be safer, to take better care of the cows, to take better care of your people. And that leads to their openness and their desire to want to come to you and say, hey, can we make these changes? And then when you do it, when you do it, you've just demonstrated that what they said mattered. They were seen, they were heard. And I mean... When you put all that, when you put those pieces together, do you think that has something to do with the success that you've had in keeping a team that wants to show up, wants to be in it for the long haul and is engaged in doing more than just showing up and punching the clock?
1: Oh, I'm, I'm certain, I'm certain that's the case. Uh, And one thing, one additional thing I just thought of is like, we had brought it up earlier, like you probably, you should speak or came up somehow like, oh, you should speak uh, more Spanish or whatnot. And I honestly, I, I, I speak enough dairy Spanish to like try to get into a conversation and then I don't know what we're talking about. If I went to Mexico, I'd starve to death. But <laughs> I know enough to ask just a couple basic questions and I'll say like, hey, uh, buenos dias, tienes problemas hoy? And then they'll just say, most of the time they'll say, no, it's all, all good, all good. But sometimes they will have problems and I, then I'll say, okay, um, necessito una fotografia, por favor. And then, so they send me a picture of the problem and it's like, Hey, I don't speak your language, but I understand what that picture means. Thank you so much. Or if I can, if I can sense that it's something bigger, uh, or maybe needs immediate attention, then I'll send one of my other guys in to follow up with these guys. But I mean, just that is how I've been able to communicate, you know, I, Meet with the guys every day, and I find a way to communicate with everyone every day. I guess.
0: Yeah. So you've so you've just learned to be um, agile and creative, and still, even when you're not speaking the same language, Brett, you find a way to to truly connect with people and show them that you care. That is amazing. That is
1: awesome. The more thing you said, like, oh, people uh, oftentimes, like managers and owners will say, well, oh, oh, not these guys just don't care. They just don't care. And honestly, I mean, that that may, be, that may be it that these guys don't care at all at all. So now, two things that would come to mind to that is three things. Number one is you just have a bad employee that just doesn't give a crap about anything, right? So you don't want that person on your team and you need to find them out and weed them out. Actually, you should find that out before you hire them. But sometimes people slip through the cracks. You need to move them on. And then other times you have people that don't care because we as managers or owners aren't are leading them in the direction. Like We're telling them, hey, go do this job and there's no more follow through. We don't say please, we don't say thank you. We don't give them direction on why we're doing it. You know, So it's just like, they kind of feel like, nah, this is useless or like, why, why am I doing this job? When in fact, it may be a super important job. And the last thing is, I would challenge anyone to say, that they've ever been a hundred percent give a damn every single day. Cause that's not like, I feel like I care a lot and I can think of things that I'm like, I've had it today. I can't deal with this. You know, I don't care that I'm leaving this mess here. I'll come back tomorrow and fix it. And so that's not the norm for me, uh, but it happens. And like, you're only human. You're going to have that from, from team members as well. So you have to, you know, treat them as human and, And people are going to make mistakes, and you just gentle follow throughs with. uh, That's probably also part of the reason that you know I've been successful is I'm not uh, I'm not super super stern. I mean, I I highlight things that we could do better at the end of the day um, because everyone's going to make mistakes. So when you make them, you point them out, but point them out gently, and you know make make those corrections. Hopefully, they make those corrections.
0: Yeah. And, and you mentioned too earlier, I mean, one of the first things you said, Brett, is you apologize a lot. So you, you set the tone and you say, Hey, you know what? I'm going to make mistakes. You're going to make mistakes and we're going to own it, forgive it and move on. Right?
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly.
0: Yeah, uh, and you know one of the other things that you mentioned when you're talking about those nine points, you know, there's all these kind of like trust-building factors that you laid out. But then that other piece, that piece about showing appreciation and acknowledging for that, um, and uh, I think that that kind of comes into the the reinforcing for good behavior. So I mean, I know you laid out that example of how you send pictures, you know, to the entire team when someone does a good job. You look for you look for the little things that people are doing right and. And you call them out um, any other ways that you acknowledge when something goes well
1: uh I we haven't done this yet with uh with on in my new role with Yosemite we were doing this and potentially we'll get there but I'm sitting in my office right now and I'm looking at like if you see someone that has gone above and beyond what they should do and they're not they're not looking for special recognition you just know like hey that wasn't that person's job and that was awful nice of them to do what they did we'd have Like this is a gift card still from Yosemite, but I'd give guys gift cards and I'd acknowledge it right away. I'd acknowledge the like exemplary behavior and say, thank you with, you know, McDonald's or, uh, Target or Amazon gift cards, um, for good work that they did.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So you didn't waste any time and you didn't, uh, shortchange the generosity and extending the acknowledgement for a job well done and a little extra something to keep people engaged and motivated. And so at the end of the day, you put all these pieces together and you had a team of people that stuck with you for a really long time that, like we said, nine years without a no call, no show employee and uh, anything else that, that you would attribute, um, you know, when you look back at, at that, because that right there is successful leadership. Um, you know, I know you're, you're humble and owning that, but I can see it in you and I will call it out
1: those nine points that i went over those are just ways that i've tried to live by and and be fair and respect everyone and um be thorough with how you your directions that you give to people because if they understand what they're what they're doing and why they're doing it you oftentimes get a lot more buy-in and if people are have the buy-in then you know they're happy at work
0: So, Brett, you've been in this role um, for a long time now. Your career has been in management and now in this upper management role. Uh, But in order to do that, it takes a lot. It takes a lot of hours. It takes a lot out of you. This is not an easy career. There's probably easier things that that you could have that you could have chosen to do. So my question for you, why do you stay doing it? What keeps you motivated? What gets you out of bed in the morning to keep doing this every single day?
1: Uh, for me, I, I like the diversity. I like working outside. I like cows. I'm not cow breed specific. I could, whatever, Brown Swiss, Ayrshires, Guernseys, you name it, Prospereds. I don't care, but I, I like working with dairy cows. Um, I like working outside. I like, uh, working with a diversity of people as well. And, you know, outside of that, I just, I try not to have bad days. So I just recently found this out. My uncle my uncle got the diaries from my great, great grandfather when he came over in 1840 from Scotland. And he said he was reading his um, diaries and a common thing that he kept saying was it's a fine day. It's a fine day. That's how he would either start or end his journals, you know, making his trip across the country, across the world and, you know, starting in Wisconsin. And I think about that. I'm like, if this guy's humping it out across the plains, you know, like on a, the back of a dog, well, he didn't ride a dog, right? If he's, you know, riding, riding a train across the country, he's already taking a ferry across the ocean, and it's like, he's not picking up his phone and playing Sudoku or Saladoneer or Facebooking. Like, he's sitting on a wooden bench, and, you know, he doesn't have modern medicine, and, like, there's not a burger kidding around the corner everywhere, and he's saying, oh, it's a fine day, like, come on, let's be real here. We're living, in my opinion, we are so, all of us, anyone who's listening to this is so fortunate to be living in the time that they're living. in. It is, um, we have so many fortunate things. So I just, you know, I'm grateful every day that I get up and people laugh. They're like, oh, how you doing? How's how's, how's your day going? Well, I got a roof over my head and food in my stomach. That's the truth. I mean, think, think of all the places in the world right now, people are not You know, having such positive encounters on a daily basis. So you just people in America think that they're um, people in America. You hear people say like, "Oh, I you know, it's tough to get ahead or whatnot." And you know, maybe it is. But I'm I'm trying to stay positive and think of like, "Hey, I'm I'm here. I'm above. I'm six feet above ground, and I'm happy just to enjoy life." So I'm gonna make the best of you know every day. So that's, I mean, that's that's my motivation, I guess, to keep going. It's a, if, if my great-great-grandfather can have a fine day in 1842 on the back of a donkey without, <laughs> I can do it, I can do it here and now.
0: Oh, Brett. Well, on that note of positivity, thank you so much for joining us for the podcast and for sharing all of these little, these little things that came together to help you be successful as a dairy manager and to make an impact and an influence on those around you by sharing that positivity. And I know for me, getting to sit with you today and for those listening, they're going to feel a little bit of that too. And, uh, and so this is where great segue into how we always end the up level dairy podcast the up level five the five questions that are all about pushing your next level of performance personally and professionally and so the first question i have for you brett what does success look like to you
1: i am happy when as a team we make a plan you know whether it's in your personal life with your relationship if it's projects you want to do at home or projects you want to do at the dairy um, you set your goals you talk them up you know who's ever on your team you talk as a group how, how are we going to accomplish these goals and then do you go out and execute them and you know so just in a, a small example would be you know I said I meet every morning with with the team of outside guys and we have a paper list that the guys go out with and these are the things I'm going to do and People know what's on the, people know what our goals are for the day. We talk about, hey, were there, do you see any problems with these? And then they go out and exit. And simple things like that, like I feel successful at the end of the day. I'm happy. We made a plan as a team. We went out and executed. Uh, and if we didn't execute, then there's feedback and we make a game plan for tomorrow. And even even when there's failures, I'm happy that there's feedback, that there's failures, and then, hey, we're going to fix it tomorrow. So that that's what success looks like for me.
0: Oh, that's great. Uh, And and Brett, three words. How do you want to show up each day?
1: Uh, I'd say be your best. Be your
0: best. Awesome. And uh, question number three, two or three thought leaders or influencers that you follow.
1: So I don't have social media. I don't have Facebook I don't have Instagram. I don't have TikTok. I don't have any of that stuff. But what I can say is, I looked at that question earlier, you sent that, and I thought, what in the world am I going to say here? Because I don't follow, you know, anyone. Uh, What I can say is, you know, people who have been inspirational to me, and that number one is um, my previous employer, C.A. Russell. He was a great leader for me and, um, you know, for a long time. Uh, And he had Dick Claus as his kind of mentor. Dick was uh, one of the founders of Elmore Cheese. You know, so I had a great uh, mentor there. My my old office manager, Colleen Montague, you know, she was the same age as me, but uh, she went to school, got her PhD, and like I said, she um, was really just level-headed and helped me think through uh, situations at the dairy and how to, like, work through things, so I guess those would be two people. It's not people that, unfortunately, your viewers are going to be able to listen to on a podcast, but that's people who who I found influential and and leaned towards for advice.
0: Yeah. Thank you for sharing those. And, uh, and question number four, what are the words you live by?
1: I just, I feel like it's an echo of everything that we've talked about today. Be real, be yourself, show up, be, be a good person, be a good, there you go. That's, that's be a good person. I want to be, I want to be someone that people want to work with and work for.
0: Oh, that's good stuff. And I think you summed it up quite well. And question number five, what's your next personal up level, the area of life that you want to take to the next level?
1: Uh, Specifically, I don't have one, you know, one goal in mind right now. We're always, as a team here, specifically at the dairy, we're always talking about, okay, what's the next project? What do we want to do next? And, you know, I feel like as long as we're forward thinking and always thinking like okay we're never we're never content at once we finish this project we're done it's like we we finish this project what's the next thing what's the next thing that we need to do better so i'm i have seemed to navigate my life and i guess been successful because i've you know moved up uh taken on more responsibility um and i haven't set those goals to do it it just it's naturally happened for me but uh, I'm always trying to do better and improve the people's lives I've worked with the dairy i'm I'm working with whatever group I'm on i' you know if it's like i mentioned to you earlier, like I volunteer uh with a high school with a wrestling team if I can make them better, like I wanna show up and help help so whatever group I'm in, I'm always trying to improve, and that always trying to improve everyone else i I think has just naturally made me more successful in my life and my career.
0: Yeah. And you know what, Brett, I bet that has also made your team and the people that have the privilege of working with you and around you every single day makes them just a little bit better too. I hope you enjoyed hearing from Brett Barless today. And if you're a dairy manager like Brett, you definitely want to head over to upleveldairy.com and subscribe to the Up Level Dairy community. This not only will make sure that you receive an email when new podcasts come out, but you'll also be eligible and in the running to receive our giveaway. And right now that is a dairy manager's gift box that includes a pair of waterproof bib overalls from 4D Egg. It includes a leadership book recommended by Up Level dairy founding partner, Bridgeforth LLP from Jay Joy, and a couple of other goodies for dairy managers from upleveldairy.com. This episode is sponsored by Uplevel Dairy Podcast founding partner Adiseo, a global leader in nutritional solutions and premier provider of rumen-protected methionine for dairy producers who want to optimize milk production, capture more value from components, and maintain the health of their high-performing herds. Feed is the greatest expense on any dairy operation, and don't you want to know how an adjustment to the ration will affect your bottom line? Adeseo empowers producers and nutritionists to make informed ration balancing decisions with MilkPay.com. Customizable to your dairy's own data, this profitability calculator puts the power of real-time milk market information in the palm of your hand. Find out how much your latest ration change is really costing you with the free MilkPay app available on iOS and through MilkPay.com. And if you're a nutritionist or advisor to a dairy and you love a little science, make sure to check out this other dairy podcast, the dairy podcast show, where you can hear from some of the greatest and latest researchers breaking down what makes dairies tick and what's going on on the research side of dairy. Thank you for listening to the Uplevel Dairy Podcast. I'm your host, Peggy Coffeen. And if you like what you heard today, go ahead and head on over to UplevelDairy.com to read the blog and join the Uplevel Dairy email list so you can receive new podcast blogs and special offers coming soon from Uplevel Dairy straight in your inbox. To listen to more episodes, head over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube. And don't forget to rate and review. Connect with me, Peggy, at Peggy at UplevelDairy.com and follow Uplevel Dairy on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn.